Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> This is Bird 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. And a good morning, Birds fans. The countdown is on, and it's down to five to Super Bowl 57 between the Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs, and we're here to talk about it for the next two hours on Birds 365. Jody McDonald, along with my partner, John McMullen, who is still here on the East Coast, not heading out to Arizona till later in the week. And Johnny Mack, I know how bummed you got to be that you missed opening night slash media night. Out yeah, yeah, the Footprint Center. Yeah, the the Suns Arena. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. But uh, the NFL could turn anything into events and it, into an event. And they've done it with Super Bowl opening night. And uh, yeah, people get excited. I always say I'm more all Sean Jeffrey than, you know, and, and I always say go back on YouTube and watch all Sean's awkward interview with somebody trying to joke around with them at Super Bowl 52. And, you know, what if they played the game outdoors, they asked Alshon. He said, why would they play the game outdoors here? (laughs) It's just a dumb question. Um, And, you know, it is what it is. But you got to go through it. And and that's part of the philosophy of experience at the Super Bowl and why some people lean towards Kansas City from that aspect. I think that's a little bit overblown. There's certain Eagles, obviously, that have that experience. But, yeah, it's just part of the process. you got to get through it. The award for last night's dumb question went to Nick Sirianni. Is this a must-win game? <laughs> <laughs> okay. That, that's thought-provoking. 
Uh, yeah, it, I, I did watch because I'm kind of obligated to watch, and I do like to watch. Is it a must-win game? Yeah, well, I, and to be fair, Jody, nothing's must-win. I mean, Nick's going to have his job. Nick's going to get up the next day. Nick's going to keep fighting. But, yeah, it's a silly question. If there is a must-win game every single year, I would put the Super Bowl on top of that list. That's just me, but uh, others might think differently. Yeah, I, I, I understand it has become a promotional vehicle. It is an event, and the NFL is great at staging them. I know why it it has become what it's become. And this has been a place for a while. There are a lot of things the NFL are ever changing and 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 becoming bigger. But this has actually been in place for a yeah, lengthy period of time. It just continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and yes, uh, yesterday you gave us the handicapping tip of seeing who's on the risers. Who are the ones who are selected by the NFL to be the most <laughs> important that they've actually got a little elevation in their questions? And the Eagles uh, had their guys in Kansas City, had their guys. No great surprise that the coaches and the quarterbacks were both there. And at least that's per what they're saying, John, uh, from the time we knew it was going to be the Eagles and the Chiefs after the NFC and AFC championship games. I thought it was uh, something that needed to be noted, borderline ironic that the two quarterbacks who may run one, two in the MVP voting, I think they will. Neither one of them I thought would be at a hundred percent for Super Bowl Sunday because Mahomes has his ankle and just judging, watching the Eagles. I don't think Jalen hurts his shoulder is 100%. They both talked it up yesterday as if, Oh, they're going to be damn close to a hundred percent by game time that they're, they're both, improved from where they were just nine days ago when they played in their championship games. Is this going to be less of a factor than I thought it was going to be? Um, I don't, I don't know uh, about Jalen hurts. I can't, I think it's, you know, Patrick Mahomes has already proven he's not a hundred percent, but he's already proven in the postseason that he can, put up significant numbers, whether, whether you want to call it one leg, one and a half legs, whatever you want to call it. He's clearly not the same, though. So from that perspective, um, not optimal, but he's proven he could do it. Um, Jalen hasn't proven he can do it from a number standpoint, throwing the football since he's come back. But I don't know if that's because he's struggling with the injury or because the Eagles are just blowing people out and they don't need to throw the ball. So I can't answer a hundred percent, but what I can answer is no, they're not healthy. They're not optimal level. They're not what they typically are. So it could have an impact on the game. It, it should make things easier. At least it might only be a tick easier, Jody, but it should make things a tick easier for both defenses because both quarterbacks are, are banged up and they are, and they're not going to be a hundred percent, but they were talking a good game last night. They both well, sound like nobody's going to say, Hey, take a shot at my shoulder. Hey, take a <laughs> shot at my ankle. <laughs> no, I mean, that that's true, but I did watch both of them speak and yeah, you try and read a guy on a, a 60 inch flat screen TV and it's not easy, but they both looked like they were being pretty honest to me. There was some, uh, storytelling and uh, borderline lying going on last night. I didn't think the quarterbacks were two of those guys. And it, it, please tell me if uh, Jalen Hurts had ever made reference from this before, because I had never heard it. He said one of the quarterbacks 
that when he was a late high school kid and into college that he looked up to and really respected and borderline wanted to be like was Andrew Luck. I had never heard him say that before, that Andrew Luck was a quarterback. Now, we know Luck was as highly rated coming out of college. Maybe this is a sticking in the court type thing because Jalen was a second-round pick. He was the unquestioned number one pick, franchise-changing. But he he said he liked the game that Andrew Luck played and tried to play like Andrew Luck. I had never heard that before. Had you? No, I have never heard him bring up Andrew Luck before. Uh, you know, it's maybe because he was such a good passer, but he also had significant mobility, uh, you know. And, you know, but the thing about Andrew Luck and the reason he was the prospect that he was is, you know, he had everything. He had tremendous size, uh, tremendous arm strength. Uh, and it's a shame that everything went the way it did in his career. And I think people forget uh, when he was healthy, it was trending in a really, really positive direction. Um, but yeah, he had everything. I mean, this guy's like, what is it? Probably six, four, six, five, two forty, And he, you know, he had everything. So now that he said it, it doesn't surprise me from a, from a trade standpoint, from a playing standpoint, from a style standpoint, um, but yeah, it always brings up, uh, you know, Jalen takes little tidbits from every everything. He goes back to his days at the Manning Academy. You know, he talks about uh, uh, Peyton uh, Manning a lot and Mister Archie, Mister Arch, as he calls him. Um, so he he's always taken a little bit from everybody. Um, so it doesn't surprise me, but it is the first time he I've heard him mention the name. If he has, I I've missed it in the past. Yeah, I, I've never heard Andrew Luck before, and you have to hope that it's not uh, portends of things to come because we know Andrew's Luck career was shortened because of injury, and Jalen does play an aggressive style. And oh, by the way, talking about who was talking last night, Jeff Laurie came clean and said. Yeah, Jalen Hurts is everything we want in a quarterback and is uh, achieving everything that we thought he could from draft night on. And, uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk about a contract extension at some point. He, he not His answer was great answer. Not this not week. this week. Yeah, yeah he kind of got another uh, piece of business to take care of this week winning the Super Bowl. But uh, the owner basically admitted, yeah, this is our quarterback of the future. We know we're going to have to pay through the roof. But it's going to be worth it because uh, Jalen has turned into everything they thought he could. Yeah, I don't know what people were expecting, but what can you do? I mean, what can you know? It's like they want the Eagles to play these kind. Not everybody. I mean, everybody. You know, a lot of people have common sense, but you know, get it. You've heard you and I have laughed about. Oh, he's going to give a hometown discount. No, he's not. No, he's not. Um, And and you know the thought process of maybe the Eagles can get it a break here and how he's so good at this, how he's so good at that. The break is, you know, 47 to 52. The break is 47. You're paying out the nose. The Eagles know they're paying out the nose and, you know, they've copped to it and they understand it. It's the cost of doing business at that particular position in the NFL. And, you know, you just got to go about it a different way when all that stuff kicks in and, you know, how he talked uh, to a, a group of reporters before he left. And, you know, he said the same thing. He said, look, 
extensions, all that stuff. That's not what I'm here to talk about today. That's, you know, that's, we'll talk about that in Indy at the scouting combine. Um, you know, they're trying to win a Super Bowl. So not this week, um, but the Eagles know where they are with Jalen Hurts. And the last thing you want is him to play so poorly on the biggest stage, you save $5 million or something like that. You want to win a Super Bowl and say, thank you very much. And let's go forward and try to, to build this thing a different way when you have to. There are some obsessed Eagle fans who will actually contemplate a Super Bowl that the Eagles win, but Jalen doesn't play well. So they can celebrate, have a parade, but save a couple dollars on the back end because Jalen doesn't have the best of Super Bowl. Don't even go there. No. Don't don't let yourself and, go and there. And always remember, it's not your money. Who cares? Let Jeffrey Lurie worry about it. Uh, you know, he's we, the one we, who's got to pay it. We've got a lot of it, including two of them sitting here, uh, amateur Howie Rosemans uh, sitting who, who want to be able to uh, lend a – area of expertise to the Eagles as to how to build this roster underneath the salary cap. Come on. That, that, that's part of being a fan. And we've got more than our fair share here in Philadelphia who think they can do it as well as how we can. I, uh, one other uh, group of three that I want to mention before we get our first guest up here, Scott Grayson from uh, Fox 29, their sports anchor and host of props and locks is going to jump in with us. Um, uh, a group of three that were well-questioned and uh, performed quite well, at least for me last night, were the Kelseys. Uh, well, yeah. Travis, Jason, and Mama Kelsey out there front and center delivering cookies to her boys, which was great. And I thought Jason had one of the best lines uh, ever, uh, or one of the best lines at least last night. Biggest bragging rights ever. Yeah. If you win this one, this is one that's going to last in the Kelsey family for what? 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, depending on how uh, long these two guys live. This is uh, the one that you have to have if you're one of the two Kelsey brothers this week. Yeah. Even if you have a rematch down the road and, you know, Lord knows how difficult that would be. And who knows if Jason's even coming back next year. But even if you have a rematch to get the first one, it's always going to be uh, tremendous bragging rights. So, yeah, I mean, those guys have a lot of fun. Anybody who watches their podcast is tremendous. Um, um, they they just have a lot of fun. And it, it's, it's good-natured, and it's always uh, uh, a good back and forth, and they're not going to be um, taking it seriously. I mean, they obviously have a tremendous relationship, but um, – yeah, I mean, competitive people like to talk trash. We see it with BG all the time. It's nice to be able to talk trash and pull that out of your pocket. Say Super Bowl 57, trump card. Ultimate bragging rights kind of uh, encompasses it all. And they are uh, very well prepared, both teams and, and both Kelsey's. Uh, but we know the Kelsey's are very well prepared in that uh, Jason's wife is with them on the trip and brought her doctor with him just in case there is a need for her obstetrician. She's very pregnant at this time. The baby I think isn't. she's overdue. I is she overdue? Over. I thought it wasn't think... like till next week. It might be. Don't quote me on that. I think it's but... like uh, the, the, the close. She's very close. The final week. She's very yes. close. Um, so do you know, as prepared as the Kelsey's are, if they are ready to do their uh, podcast this week, do they have their equipment? Do they have a location? 
Are they going I to don't. do it together? Because usually they're in different cities, so you got to work split screens, kind of like you and me here aren't in the yeah. same studio. Are they going to be do it together? Do you have Kelsey podcast details for us, John McMullen? I don't. I'm not out there. So, but uh, you know, uh, I imagine if they do do it, it's going to be the split screen thing. Still, you know, they're at different hotels and all that stuff, and if they have uh, an hour to do something like that, they'll just pull out the laptop and the technology of the world we have uh, and, and do it that way. But I do knew, I do know they already did one this week. So I assume it's over. They'll do one next week. They did one this week with their mom and dad. So they had surprise guests and everybody was saying, who's going to be the surprise. Who's going to be the, and it was mom and dad. So they already got the Super Bowl week out of, of the way. Uh, I assume that's going to be it. Now, after the game, they'll probably have to, Somebody will have to show up wearing a, a Chiefs jersey or an Eagles jersey or, you know, depending on who wins. I'm sure they'll they'll have some kind of um, bets going yeah, you on. Gotta, you got to go at least hat. If not full-blown jersey, the loser is going to have to wear the other team's hat. Uh, so that that is something to look forward to, Eagle fans. Hopefully you're looking forward to the next hour and 40 minutes here with us, John McMone. Jody McDonald on Birds 365. Scott Grayson, Fox 29 sports anchor, going to join us coming up in less than five. And a uh, fun guest in hour number two. He's been with us before. Jason Cole, NFL reporter, author. He's written seven uh, NFL books. And also Hall of Fame selector. That is this weekend. The NFL would decide who of the finalists uh, will be going into the Hall of Fame. So they've got their big vote this weekend. We'll certainly ask Jason about that and the Eagles and Chiefs matchup. It is five and counting. Days to Super Bowl 57, Eagles and Chiefs. We're getting you ready for it right here with McMullen and McDonald on Birds 365. With Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Why do millions of people every year from around the world visit Philly's Rocky statue? You want to tell me the sky is burgundy with green stripes and yellow polka dots? I'll meet you on that. But you're never going to convince me Rocky is anything other than the pure greatness that it is. Never going to happen. Join me, Paul Farber, for WHYY's The Statue. We're going on a journey to explore the biography of the Rocky statue. Find us wherever you get your podcasts.
Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Hi, I'm Jim Mulebronner, managing partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Welcome back. John McMullen and Jordan McDonald here. We're on Bird 365. We got a hoodie-wearing Eagle fan to join us. He's not allowed to do that on camera. Have you ever worn a hoodie on camera, Scott Grayson? That's a good question. Uh, no, I don't think I have. <laughs> well, you have now, technically. Yeah, cross that off the list. Yeah, technically. When are wheels up for you, Scott Grayson? This evening. Head west this, this evening. evening. All right, uh, Arizona, look out. Scott Grayson's going to be there tonight. Uh, thanks for coming on early with us. Uh, good to talk Super Bowl with you. You and I were at Super Bowl uh, 52. Hopefully you recovered uh, from that. Uh, and here we are back again. But, you know, this is a pretty short span between Super Bowls, Scott. And you would think, oh, well, the Eagles are a pretty good team, pretty good organization. But everything's changed. Everything's changed. New coach, new quarterback. New... How impressive is this sort of run for the Eagles organization? Not just this year, but to be able to do it with Doug Peterson, Carson Wentz, Nick Foles. What do you think is, is the secret sauce of this organization? I mean, it really is mind-boggling when you think about all the things that had to happen. You're right, John. I mean... The difference, this roster, and you put it next to the one from 2017, and, and virtually everybody is gone, which, as you said, is, is essentially unheard of to be back five years later with a new quarterback, a new uh, head coach, you know, and you can just go down the list, and it's just everything is different. And to me, I mean, it's just shocking that not only are they here, but they're here and set up to be here for a while. Um, and, and that, to me, is is really the most impressive part of what Howie Roseman's been able to do. They bought in the right, brought in the right players this year on short deals to help get this team to where they needed to be. Injuries in the middle of the season, we hadn't seen them really do this before. But they go out and get in Dominican Sue, Linval Joseph. I mean, just bolstered up this defensive line. And now, you know, um, they've got guys under contract like uh, eight young players. We talked about 2017. I remember John, you and I out there. This was an older roster. Yeah, and they were going to have to then in the years after that figure out how are they going to get younger. Well, they've done it. They've gotten younger. They've gotten talent, more talented. Um, they've got the right guys under contracts for the next few years. They don't have too much to have to deal with um, in terms of they do have some tough decisions. Don't get me wrong in this offseason, but we're not worried about that right now. I'm just impressed, John. This team's not only set up 
um, to be a favorite in the Super Bowl this year, but to probably be back here a few more times, barring anything goofy and crazy going on, which can happen in this league. All right, let me ask you about one of the key elements of this team, which is uh, the head coach, Nick Sirianni. And I know you can't compare him to previous Eagle head coaches that have already had their entire story written. Andy Reid's lengthy as it was, never got the dream ending, but a tremendous amount of success. Doug Peterson, the ultimate high, but then the downfall as well. Sirianni's still just riding the wave. So I'll ask you to compare him instead, if you can remember, how they were at this stage, closing in on the end of year two, which is pretty damn comparable with Doug because we know it happened at the end of year two. Uh, how does he match up with those other guys? For Eagles fans in either confidence and or popularity, how do you compare uh, going into this Super Bowl, Nick Sirianni against, say, Doug Peterson uh, five years ago that you guys were just talking about? It's a good question, and I would start with this and say that I think both guys have done an amazing job um, early on winning the locker room and getting the locker room to buy in, um, and then that chemistry just kind of steamrolls from there. These guys believe in Nick. I think more than most fans or or you know believe uh, or, or even understand, these guys are willing to go to war for him in the worst way possible, and they love him. Um, and I think Doug was very similar in that way. He had his leadership committee. He listened to his players. Um, anytime they brought concerns, he addressed them. Uh, when you have that kind of buy-in to your players, they're going to reciprocate and give you everything they have in return. And I think that's one thing Doug was able to do. I think Nick's done a good job of getting that too. Now, one difference is I feel like Doug had more respect nationally uh, going into this game than, I, than it seems like. And I guess I'll get a better feel for this when I get out to Phoenix that Nick does. I mean, there are players who, who lost to him in the playoffs who are just still ripping this team and ripping this coach and they don't like it and all that. You know what? It's like everybody says, you know, we're Philadelphia. Nobody likes us and we don't care. Um, these players, I think, are rallying around their head coach very well. And I thought they did that pretty well back in 2017 as well. Um, you don't see that with every coach. You don't see that in Dallas with Mike McCarthy, who I love to throw under the bus on this show every time I come on. Uh, <laughs> you don't see that everywhere. And I think that's a key ingredient to success that sometimes is overlooked by front offices. How, how much of that with Nick is his propensity to showboat when things are going well? Because I yeah. think a lot of it is when you talk about I mean, it, it, think about the criticism. It's kind of silly, Scott, the fact that, well, you know, the, the Eagles are, are overrated. You know, they didn't play anybody. You always hear that narrative. And then you hear, oh, the, anybody could coach this team. They're so talented. Well, which one is it? It doesn't make any sense. So I can't get too up in arms about it. But how much is it people just don't like a head coach in the National Football League? You bring up Mike McCarthy. I always bring up Tom Landry for, to Jody. You know, the stoic guy, Bud Grant as well, was like that. You're supposed to have decorum as a head coach in the National Football League. And Nick's there mugging for the camera. How yeah. much is it just that? Well, there's no doubt that is what probably rubs people the wrong way. It's like he's your guy. You like when he does it. But if he's yeah. not your guy, you're kind of like, what is this fool doing? Yeah. Uh, and, and we heard back at the you know the first press conference and they're talking about you know roots of plants and fertilizer. The lesson we got on 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 gardening from Nick Sirianni. It's it's crazy how far he's come in two years because uh, you know everybody was like, what is who is this guy and what is he doing? 
And then he's mugging for the camera and he's doing all that. I think, John, what you talked about, and I think it's the perfect uh, comparison between um, head coaches of, of the past versus today. Um, to me, it, it's supposed to be a fun game. And I think that's one thing his players respond to as well. Nick, there's no doubt Nick has fun on that sideline. He is not the stoic guy who's going to stand there like a statue and act like he's a big student of the game in the middle of it, look like a big student of the game, studying his play sheets like Andy will throughout the game. Nick's up in everybody's faces. He's out there trying to motivate. I respect that. I like that, frankly. Uh, it's different. And I think different is sometimes good. And I think that that's what one thing that Nick has been able to get you know, out of his players uh, is that ability to buy into how much fun he's having, and then they go and have fun. Um, would this team win with with uh, a more stoic coach? Uh, maybe, but I, I also bring up that you get too much talent on one team. There's not enough footballs to go around. There's not enough, you know, and you, you start getting finger pointing. Now, there weren't losses this year that could have potentially led to some of that, but this team, with all its talent, uh, never turned on itself, and he was able to keep this team with all its talent and to keep everybody happy, which I think is overlooked sometimes because you get all that talent and everybody wants to go get their sacks. They want to go get their receptions. They want to go yeah. get their touchdowns. And I think he did a great job of managing all of that as well. And again, I think sometimes that is overlooked, um, whereas other coaches would have a problem in a locker room with not enough footballs. He, he managed to keep this group close the whole time. Yeah. Two guys this year had meteoric rises for the Eagles, and that would be their head coach and their quarterback. We we may have liked them both coming into the season. No one knew they were going to be able to achieve what they did achieve, and they're different. Uh, we're just talking about Sirianni being emotional on the sideline, bugging for the camera, screaming and yelling, but he handles his business off the field well. He's come a long way from that opening press conference and uh, is, is an I'd say borderline eloquent guy. That's not Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is zero pulse all the way across the board, between the lines, off the field, doesn't matter. Jalen Hurts is the same thing. He's not an up and down guy like Sirianni. So basically they're different, but they work well together. Why? I think it is because they're different. I think they balance each other uh, to a certain extent. Um, you know, we don't see Jalen behind the scenes. I think he's a guy who will have some fun. I think he's a guy who will have fun with his players behind the scenes. But when it's business time and it's time to go to work, you're right. You get Jalen Hurts, the businessman. He's out there to go help this team win a game. That's that's the business transaction he's looking for. Uh, Nick Sirianni is not afraid to be him and, and be himself all the time. Uh, he'll speak like himself. He'll act like himself, as we talked about. I, I think it works because they are different. And I, I think, you know, it, it's funny. I, I remember sitting here with you guys just a few months ago when it was still warm and we were looking ahead to the season. And I said, Jalen Hurts is my biggest question mark. Bottom line. And I know I wasn't alone. No. And the, no. The, the fact well, that I wear Now all, you were alone because everybody's <laughs> right in hindsight, Scott. But go ahead. Yes. It's you were just wild that this you, – you now feel confident they could win this game because of Jalen Hurts. How far he came in a short period of time and why is that? Well, I think it's because he doesn't fly too high or too low um, in the moments that come throughout a season. He doesn't panic. Uh, he's always stoic. He has his guys behind his back. They are ready to run through a wall for him. I don't think you could say that about a lot of quarterbacks in this league um, because of their personalities or how much they may make it about them. He's not. I mean, you, you know, and then and then you look at Nick Sirianni. And so the, here you have Jalen Hurts, who's just a film rat, right, wants to come into the building all the time. 
And Nick Sirianni is willing to meet him. You know, it's it might be a Monday and he wants to go home and be with his family. But if Jalen Hurts says, let's go look at some film, Nick comes in and meets him there and they make sure they take care of the business. I think they balance each other very well. So when you talk about having a good head coach that relates to his team, I think it's also very, very hard to find a good head coach that balances his quarterback and vice versa like these two do. Yeah, and I think those two always say, you know, um, sons of football coaches, they have that in common. So even though, you know, there's a bunch of stuff that they don't have in common, the fact that they both grew up in it, it, it's both almost ingrained in them, I think is a big part of their relationship. Um, Last one on, on Nick, Scott, because this has happened twice in the past week. Last night, uh, Brandon Graham said, uh, I believe, you know, Nick makes football fun for us. Um, last week, I was talking to Jason Kelsey in the locker room. We're talking about retirement. We always talk about retirement. And he's like, I'd already be retired if Nick wasn't here because of the shift in um, practice schedule, the lighter uh, work, the maintenance days, all that kind of stuff, which let's be honest, this team, we all looked at him and said, oh, they're going an hour and 15 today. Long day. By the way, I love Nick Sirianni because I don't got to sit up there in training camp for two and a half. Um, and it's worked. They're relatively healthy. They're healthier than Kansas City. They're as healthy as you could be. Uh, how much is this? Blo- and by the way, I don't want to give it all to Nick because that's an organizational philosophy. So how he deserves credit, the sports science people, all that kind of stuff. But how how I call it the Bill Jackson effect. You kind of alluded to it before. It's tough to make everybody happy, especially when you have an all-star team. We all laughed at Miles Sanders. Hey, this is an all-star team. Guess what? They were pretty stinking close. Of their 22 starters, 18 of them got some kind of postseason accolade. They made a run at this as an all-star team. How important is that balancing act? Well, like I said, I think it's I think it's extremely important. If you're not able to keep everybody happy and the fingers start pointing, you you know you've been through covering teams in the past where it just starts to to break apart the foundation of the team. And then when the going gets tough and they really need to bond together to get through some adversity, maybe the Colts game, uh, they're not able to do it. And and this team was, um, I, you know, I think you bring up some good points about you know we all we did. I mean. It's, it's like a, an hour, you're right, an hour and 15 minute practice in, in training camp, you know, and we're all used to the, we're, we're all old enough here that it's like, oh, they're, they're three a days and you got to go out there and <laughs> knock each other around. And, and we, we, you know, we criticized it. We were like, oh, how are they going to be ready for the season when this, well, they went out and won what the first eight games, nine games, something like that. Yeah. You know, it works. You're right. And I think it's a very good point you bring up about your conversation with Jason Kelsey. Uh, I mean, I feel like for for at least five years now, that's the question this time of year. Jason, are you retiring? And he keeps coming back. And I frankly expected him to last year because I just did. You just didn't see this coming in this team. Now, maybe he did. And maybe he did out of Nick and and Jalen. And but I, I was like, he's coming back for what? Uh, you know, I don't know that this team's really geared up to to do more than maybe get back to the playoffs. But, you know, to his credit, he's been a big anchor, a big foundation. He's solidified his Hall of Fame candidacy, you know, even more. And I think, uh, you know, I, I, you're right. I think players uh, really do love what Nick and his younger staff are bringing to what was, you know, quote, the grind. 
and and it really has allowed some of these guys who are older, who maybe a decade ago would have never been able to get through a season. And they are. How many times on the injury report do they hold guys out? Even this past week, resting yeah. player. Rest all um, year. You know, Same they thing. They value their rest. The players respect that. And when you're feeling a little bit better, you can go out there and give 100% a little bit, I guess, more easily. And uh, I guess we'll find out how well that works on Sunday. All right, Scotty, I am going on the record now and saying I'm playing devil's advocate. I'm not predicting this. I'm just putting it out there. As All right, a, that means I'm going to get people pissed off. That's a hypothetical that scenario because it's kind of a fact. The Kansas City Chiefs, specifically for Patrick Mahomes, this year and previous years, more importantly this past year, had a, had a couple of really nice come-from-behind victories. Had to rally both games against the Chargers. They were losing late. Um, shoot, they were losing the AFC Championship game and got a late field goal when it was tied just to get it uh, get themselves uh, into a position uh, to win and go back to a Super Bowl. Been there, done that. Patrick Mahomes has had plenty of that. The last time the Eagles rallied for a victory was week 10 against the Colts. They were losing that game out in Indianapolis and came back in the fourth quarter. Good job by the, that's a long time ago. The Eagles haven't had to come from by. Now that's a good thing because they're almost always ahead. But they haven't shown the ability to down two scores heading into the fourth quarter to be able to march it down the field when they need to then get the big stop, then march it down the field again. Can the Eagles come from behind if they have to win this game? Uh, I, I don't think that's the way it's going to go, but if it does, are they capable of doing that against this Kansas City defense? Yeah, I'm a believer, Jody, and it does help to have gone and survived adversity. Uh, and you're right, you can't say the Eagles haven't, but it has been quite a while since they've had to do it. Um, I think, though, for the reasons that we stated, they have the belief in the quarterback, they have the belief in the head coach. Uh, I think this team is built to be able to come back. They have the leadership on both sides of the ball um, to be able to keep that team and that side of the ball focused. I think that they have the ability to come back. Now, if you stop and look at it, well, why haven't they had to? I mean, they've just been so good in the first half. Um, that they've been able to build up leads. And I think, you know, nobody's sitting here going, well, I wish they weren't so good in the first half so they could have gotten through a little bit more adversity. Oh, I get those calls. Yeah, I get it all the time. They are, Scott. Doesn't make any sense, but you get them. But, you you know, you're right. They haven't had to do it. And there's going to be no bigger stage, no bigger spotlight, no bigger, you know, amount of pressure that this team would have to do it in than – here on Sunday out there in, in Arizona. And uh, you're right. The Chiefs have been through that. They'll stay calm, cool, and collected to get through that uh, if it does face them. Um, but I, I, you know, I think for those reasons, I'm not, of the reasons I'm concerned this team could lose the game, the Eagles, that's not one of them. Okay, um, I'm, I'm not afraid that they wouldn't be able to push the ball down the field, you know, eight, you know, 75 yards in, you know, five minutes to take the lead. Uh, I think they're built personality-wise, to be able to monitor and, and handle those situations. Uh, well, I want to hear what you're worried about. But before we get to that, Scott, I want to—I—I kind of want to talk about that narrative. It's sort of this team has been like a trope buster, I, I like to call them. They, you know, Jody's right. We hear from people all the time. Well, they got to face some adversity. Uh, why? You know, if you're better than the other team, just beat them. Um and we hear all the time about they haven't played anybody. This is going to be the first team in NFL history. They're 60 minutes away from winning a Super Bowl, not having played anybody. And I joke, it's not that 
they haven't played anybody. It's they turn somebody's into nobody's. And that's a good thing. And then identity. Identity is a big thing with football reporters and TV guys like you. And we're always talking about identity, identity. People ask me, what's this Eagles identity? I don't know. They don't have one because they can beat you all kinds of ways. Yeah. Isn't that better? Yeah. Than, I mean, the, oh, they can overcome adversity. They can, just go out and dominate people. Isn't that better? It's if you if you look through the schedule, um, yeah. And number one, I'll just say yes. It, it, it should be better. I mean, if you can go out and bully anybody any way you want, and you want to let them say, and I think the Eagles do this to an extent in the first quarter sometimes. How do you want us to beat you today? And then the other team shows their cards and on what they're trying to take away. And then I think the Eagles say, okay, we'll just go and do this, this, and this, and we're going to just pound you. And and I think that's why the second quarters have been so phenomenal sometimes is because they dial in on a plan and a method after they see what the opponent is trying to do to them. And they say, fine, we'll beat you this way then. And you're right. I, I think it's a great problem. to. Ha- it's not even a problem. It's a great identity, if you want to call it one, is that they don't have an identity. They can beat you any way they want. They can beat you with their defense. And I think the defense is going to be a big reason why they potentially win this game. Um, this pass rush is unreal. And, and you see it with these quarterbacks who, who you know, the scouting report says uh, these guys can get a lot of sacks. So you think the quarterbacks are going to be watching and ready to get the ball out of their hands fast. But despite knowing that, the closing speed of Hassan Reddick has been phenomenal to watch. The guy can get to you in two steps and cover a ton of ground so much more than I think any of these quarterbacks are expecting. Josh Sweat's speed up the field. You know, the exit out the back of the pocket is closed quickly by these guys, which is why then they can come funnel up the middle with the rest of the group, and you got nowhere to go. And, and so then you take a Patrick Mahomes with this ankle. And you say, okay, well, where is his ankle at? Because, frankly, he moved around a lot better in the AFC Championship game than I expected. Yeah. But where is it at? We're going to find out, you know, and this Eagles team is going to be able to get to him. But I, you can beat – I think this defense can can win, can win be the reason they win this game. Um, can the offense be the reason they win this game? Sure. Jalen Hurts could throw over 300 yards in this game. I think there's some matchups out there that can be won for him. Um, but I think this defense is going to be the reason why they win this game. But they can win so many different ways, to your point. Whereas you look at the Chiefs and you say, how are they going to win this game? Well, they're probably going to have to win a shootout. So that puts it all on the offense. You know, there's the identity. This, you yeah. know, so I think it's 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 a great question. It's a great way to look back and you wonder over the test of time and years later, how will we view this Eagles team? And I know whether they win or lose this game is going to go a long way towards that. But I don't know if everybody truly realizes just how good. And how solid this team. I know you guys have been saying it on this show. They are loaded. They have the best roster. But stop and really appreciate what we've got. Because we only got it for a few more days. And through the cycle of the NFL, there's going to be a different locker room here next year. And it'll be over. Um, and so I think it's fascinating to watch. We know the Eagles are going to put pressure on Mahomes because they put pressure on everybody. They've done it all year long. How many sacks is that going to add up? We'll find that out on Sunday. But they will be there. And I think Jonathan Gannon. We'll get there with his four, as he has all year. He's not going to be blitzing. It would be foolish to blitz because Mahomes is the best blitz pickup quarterback in the National Football League. Why go down that road? So I don't think Gannon will. But what's he going to do on the back end? He is a defensive, let's play zone, quarters, just let him dump the ball underneath. We'll keep him from going the long field. With Mahomes, you can do that, and then like five plays later, and two minutes off the clock, they're in the end zone. Right. 
Um, if there is going to be an adjustment, if Jonathan Gens going to change anything, my guess would be it would be in coverage and maybe plays a little bit more man, maybe gets a little bit more aggressive and uh, gets up on wide receivers uh, coming out of their uh, off the line of scrimmage. You think we got any chance for this? Or is Jonathan Gannon, who's done, he is the defensive coordinator of a team that's 16 and three. Folks, check this, uh, check the record 16 and three. He's the DC, number two defense in the league. Is he going to change it all going into this game? Or does he say, we'll do what we've done all year long? Uh, yeah, uh, coaches tend to do what they've done all year long. Uh, but I agree with you. If you sit in the zone, Mahomes will pick you apart. I just don't think that's the way to attack this team for various reasons. You got the pass rush coming. So these guys shouldn't have to cover for long on the corners. The wide receivers for the Chiefs are a little banged up, so they're not going to be getting out there at 100%. And there's frankly nobody out there that I'm you know, afraid Slay or Bradbury wouldn't be able to hang with. The Kel- Kelsey's the one. Kelsey's the one guy I look at and say he could he could cripple you because he's that capable and he's that much of a mismatch. And and I'm looking at it going, listen, I've got Avante Maddox and C.J. Gardner-Johnson. I'm putting both those guys on Kelsey. I want one in front of him. I want one behind him. And I want my corners to go do what they do. And I think Slay and Bradbury would, would thrive in that situation in this game. Um, and you're just trying to keep the window to hit Jason uh, to Travis Kelsey small. Uh, that's the way I would go about it. Now, and, and I will say, growing up, I grew up with the Jim Johnson defense. So I, my first impression of defensive football was, yes, go send extra guys. Go get them. You know, but this defense, you have to give Jonathan Gannon credit, man. If you can get there with four and you can have more guys in the, in the, in the back to make smaller windows for him to throw through, you can create mistakes. Why do you need to send an extra guy? So I am actually have swung all the way around to I can appreciate what this defense does with four guys and create smaller windows to throw through in the back. But you're right. It's going to be an interesting question to watch early on. Do they sit in zones? And I'm okay with mixing it up. You want to try to confuse a quarterback a little bit. Sure. I mean, don't sit in the same thing all game long, but not the soft zones. I can't stand the soft zones. And I think in this game, you want to make Mahomes try to thread that needle as much as possible while dealing with the pressure and, in the back of his mind, that high ankle sprain. All that, I think, is going to try to be what you do to help get him to create a mistake. And I think he will give you one if you can get there. All right. At S. Grayson, Fox 29. Follow Scott on Twitter, the host of Props and Locks on Fox 29. Are you doing that live from Phoenix while you're out there? We, we did our we did our uh, Super Bowl show last Friday because we've okay. got all kinds of other Eagles coverage that they're they're doing in that time slot now this week. So we did all our Super Bowl props last week. All right, so but you know where I'm going. I I need a Super Bowl prop. First of all, you're a South Jersey guy, so how um, likely is it Isaiah Pacheco uh, dooms the Philadelphia Eagles? And give me give me your best prop for Super Bowl Fifty Seven. I I. I don't think Pacheco is going to backbreak the Eagles. The Eagles have done a good job stopping the run. Obviously, you're right. He's from Vineland. Uh, but I think he's proving himself to be an up-and-coming running back in this league. So he's definitely worth keeping an eye on. Uh, as far as the props that, that we threw out that we went through in our whole show, the one I like the best, frankly, is something I was just talking about. Mahomes to throw one interception. and it's, it's, We had it last week at, at .5. It's at a half. So if he throws one interception in that game, you win. You telling me he's not going to throw one? Because here's the, the the narrative you can look at as well. I think the Chiefs are going to have to come from behind to win this game. Yeah. So that means they're going to throw the ball chances, more, and there's more yeah. chances. Yeah. So that's one that I think you can you can look at. 
Who's going to get it? CJ, Bradbury, Slay? That's a good question. Uh, you know, Mahomes is a kind of arrogant guy, and he's he obviously he's one of the, I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to pick on Slay a little bit. It might Ooh. be Slay. But I, I could see a scenario where it's C.J. Gardner-Johnson where he just kind of goes a little too high on a Travis Kelsey pass over the middle. Maybe that's where you get it. But Center field, way, yeah. That's yeah. where you get right, a lot uh, of it. I've got uh, – and I don't know uh, what you're doing when you get out there. John's not getting out there till uh, later in the week. Uh, you're getting out there tomorrow. Will you have a chance – will you even be given a chance to talk to a guy like Isaiah Pacheco? Because I there's a question I'd love to ask him. What would he ask Mike Trouty if he had a chance to hang with him this <laughs> week? Two Vineland yeah. guys. Pacheco's a homeboy, but we know how big a fan Mike Trout is of the Philadelphia Eagles. So is Mike Trout torn at all this week? Can he try and do the straddle the fence thing and hope that Pacheco has a good game, but see if the Eagles win? If you get a chance to get Pacheco, just ask him what he thinks. Yeah, I'll definitely Trout try will to. Doing, I think that's a great question. Game on Sunday. That yeah. should be fun. All right, I'm going to run a prop by you and see if you agree with me. This is one that I'm leaning toward playing. I've bought since the Eagles won, and I saw the way Jalen Hurts played. And again, the Eagles didn't have to do anything. So it was almost like kept under wraps, which played well if you wanted value. I think this is a big end one game. There is no next week. There is no future game. If Jalen Hurts is going to fall on his shoulder, so what? He's going to suck it up and play the rest of the game. He's going to have all offseason to rest. I think that Sirianni's going to deal up a uh, dial up a bunch of Jalen Hurts designated runs, and I've seen in a couple places range between forty five and a half and forty nine and a half yards for Jalen Hurts. I was hoping for high thirties. It was mid forties yeah. and almost up to fifty, um, but I still think he's going over. What do you think about Jalen Hurts running the football in the Super Bowl? That is a great question because uh, if he was 100% healthy, I think it's a good play. But what you saw in the NFC Championship game was he was aware. And you're right. He's got nothing to worry about um, in terms of time to heal after this. But, of course, he doesn't want to get hurt during the game. What Jalen has done a lot is he'll get that first down and he'll slide. He'll go out of bounds. Uh, if he, He'll get five yards even and slide uh, rather than take that hit in that NFC Championship game. And it went under in the NFC championship game because of that. So yeah, but he had the Super Bowl to worry about. They had no Super Bowl at this is the Super Bowl. Scotty. Right. And you're gonna you're gonna leave it all on the line for your teammates. You're absolutely right. And so therefore that different I agree with you. If it was in the high 30s, it's a lot more tempting. In the mid-40s, it gets to be a little nerve-wracking. But I think you're right. If if he's trying to do something that the Chiefs are not expecting. It could be more of that RPO, like they were running so well earlier in the season, where, um, you know, not so much an RPO as much as it is just, you know, he's either handing it off or he's keeping it. And I think the Chiefs are going to bank on him not taking it. Uh, yeah. So there could be some alleys there. You could be right. That's not a bad one to, to play. I like, frankly, another one I like is um, going along the narrative I was talking earlier about uh, uh, the defense. I think Hassan Reddick has a good shot at being MVP. Yeah, Hassan's having a great run. We'll see if he can finish it off. You know, one thing is I think both head coaches want to lose the coin toss. I think they don't want to deal with that nonsense. And I here's here's my one true lock, Scott Grayson. You can book this. Uh, Carl Cheppers will be enemy number one in one city on Monday. <laughs> that is my lock of all locks. 
I guarantee I got you. that. <laughs> yeah, I got you. I agree with you. I can I can definitely see that. Um, <laughs> Unfortunately, it, you can't get that a bet, but I guarantee it. Yeah. They yeah. they will they will have thousands of uh, props out there. That will not be one yeah. of them. Yeah, you can get the color of the Gatorade that goes uh, on the coach, and uh, there's all kinds of crazy stuff for sure. I uh, wonder if they will have color of the underwear worn by the halftime performance. <laughs> uh, we, we may actually get a chance to see that, which would be fun. Uh, <laughs> Scotty, great and good stuff. Appreciate ads always whenever you come on. Safe flight to Arizona. You know we're going to be talking to you during the offseason, either be it leading up to a parade or after a parade or after Howie Roseman having to get the work re-signing this entire defense. We're going to get you on plenty, brother. Thanks for jumping in today. No problem. I always appreciate it, guys. Take care. That is you, Scott. Scott Grayson from Fox 29 and the host of Props and Locks. They're so busy, they don't even have time for Props and Locks this week. They had to pre-shoot it a week out. Come yeah, on, this is this is big stuff. There, there could be changing markets. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, the Super Bowl is kind of a big deal, so you do a lot of preparation leading up to it. But yeah, I wish I could get the official, uh, the referee being uh, uh, screwing <laughs> one city. That's that's a guarantee. The so. foregone conclusions. Is, yeah, uh, the NFL is fixed. Didn't you know that, John? Scripted. Scripted. Much like WWE, scripted. Scripted and or fixed. And if you're an Eagle fan and you believe that's a case and it's scripted for the Eagles to win, I guess you're okay with it. Yeah. Uh, He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. Uh, We'll come back a couple more things. I want to run by Johnny Mac a little later, about 25 minutes from now. Jason Cole is going to join us, NFL longtime reporter, uh, author, and Hall of Fame selector. One of the... uh, Guys who will get a chance on Saturday to decide who is going to enter the hallowed halls of Canton. Uh, Jason Cole going to join us in about 25 minutes. We need you to stay right here with us on Birds 365. Feel free to hit that like button. Uh, we'll be back after this break. Come on back. Keep it here on Birds 365. the greatest fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. 
Jeff D'Ambrosio doesn't need a special event to appreciate his customers. Jeff shows his appreciation to them every day of the year. Jeff makes sure to stock more new inventory than anyone and guarantees prices and payments that nobody can beat. There are so many reasons that thousands of customers know Jeff is the easy, friendly place to do business. More for their trades. No judgment zone for credit issues. The best, most reliable service department in the country. That's why I like Jeff, and I know you will too. Jeff will satisfy you every day. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, Owner Appreciation Event. Post Game Show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post Game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Why do millions of people every year from around the world visit Philly's Rocky statue? You want to tell me the sky is burgundy with green stripes and yellow polka dots? I'll meet you on that. But you're never going to convince me Rocky is anything other than the pure greatness that it is. Never going to happen. Join me, Paul Farber, for WHYY's The Statue. We're going on a journey to explore the biography of the Rocky statue. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Johnny Mac and Jody Mac, the Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. Appreciate Scotty Grayson getting in with us uh, before he takes off for Arizona, be doing Fox work uh, from Super Bowl 57. That's our topic of conversation, shockingly so, here with the Eagles and the Chiefs getting ready to go in uh, the big game on Sunday. Uh, Johnny Mac, no great surprise yesterday. One of the things, uh, you got to get the whole media thing out of the way, opening night they did what they had to, but of actual consequence of what's going to happen in the game. Uh, not a great surprise yesterday that the Chiefs put Nicole Hardman on, on IR. And he had been pretty forthright with uh, that since the game uh, against the Bengals. He gave it a go. He tried uh, fighting back from injury, just wasn't himself, and came out of the game worse than when he went in. Uh, so they had to officially – well, they didn't have to, but they chose to put him on IR. I guess they – want or need roster flexibility uh but uh, this whole past week we've had pretty much an idea that nicole cardman uh, nicole hardman was not going to be a factor in the game now uh and he had barely played tried to come back and got hurt again so they had been playing without nicole hardman um you know it's not great they don't have great receivers uh nicole hardman wouldn't be a great receiver he's not a great receiver more of a manufacturer touch guy but you know he is explosive he would have helped from that perspective um you know juju smith schuster it looks like he's gonna play he was banged up uh they got a really fast kid justin watson but you know he's just he's sort of like their quest watkins he can run by people but he can't do much else um and then Marta, Mar- Marquez Valdez Scantling, which I got a kick out of. I think it was Sneed, the uh, Chiefs' best corner, said, it's the best wide receiver he ever gone against. And he said, MBS. So I go, come on, buddy. Come on. Um, yeah, you're going to see better receivers uh, this week. Uh, the Eagles have a big advantage at that particular position. But when we look at positions, you know, it's not – the Eagles receivers don't play the Chiefs receivers and vice versa. Obviously, it's the other side, but 
um, yeah, the Eagles match up well. Uh, their corners, their secondary against those um, receivers. But I got to tell you, man, Patrick Mahomes, I don't know how he got to 5,200 yards, but he got to 5,200 yards. Um, so he's the kind of guy who can elevate um, players around him. Um, and, yeah, you say, well, what's Justin Watson going to do to you? Well, maybe not much until the big home run and he runs by people and Patrick Mahomes throws a dime. So you gotta be, you, you gotta be very careful uh, with this particular team because Andy can scheme it up and uh, Patrick can make people better. You gotta be careful. You can't take them for granted. You mentioned uh, Watson and also Quez Watkins. Is Quez Watkins still on the team? Uh, I just need to double check. It, it's yeah. been weeks since Quez Watkins did anything of consequence. And when last he did, that was not fighting hard enough for a couple of Gardner Minshew interceptions against the Dallas Cowboys. He, he's still on the team, is he not, John? Yeah, he is. And, you know, he look, yeah, we, we go all the way back. On this show, how many how many shows are we at, Jody? I haven't asked you in a while. Four sixty. Four sixty. I thought we we're over five hundred. No, we're still in the four sixty. All right. Um. It, it, so we've been sh- doing this show for a, a long period of time, and you, you go back to last off season before all the machinations started, and you remember, um, Tone says five nineteen. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, all, all the machinations started and, and all the way back in the offseason, you remember before the Eagles went after Christian Kirk, tried to trade for Calvin Ridley, Bubba, they tried to talk you into Quez Watkins being the second receiver. Remember we had fans saying, well, Quez Watkins could be a second receiver of the NFL. No, you didn't want that. Remember they talked about the corners, the young corners, the Carrie Vincents of the world. Uh, the Tay Gowans of the world who aren't even here, the Mac McCain's of the world who's still on the practice squad, Zach McPherson. Oh yeah. They're going to be a good compliment. And then you get James Bradbury, <laughs> you know, I always say, don't listen to what a team says, watch what they do. The Eagles knew they needed to get better at wide receiver. They got a great wide receiver uh, in AJ Brown. Devontae Smith has continued to develop. And Quez Watkins has settled in as the third receiver where he should be. But I got to tell you, that's one of the few spots I, I can say the Eagles probably need to get a little bit better there. They need to get a little bit better at the third receiver spot. Now we're nitpicking, but yeah, I mean, he's he can run by people and he can't do much else, which is sort of what Justin Watson does for the Chiefs. Right. Same thing. Compliment, uh, two complimentary type pieces. I guess I was leaning toward what do you think the chances are in this game? We know what Quez's role is. It's limited. It's not much. They actually get themselves in trouble. When- For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. They try and broaden his role on any given game. 
that Cowboy lost. Um, is is Quez going to get the ball thrown to him long? Is Kansas City the kind of team where they may be able to get sucked up and, and Quez can get behind somebody? And if he does, will they call that number? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, if the Eagles are running the football more, uh, well, running the football well, they can suck people up and, you know, get Quez behind people. And then, sure, they might, you know, they're willing to take a shot. I have no problems taking a shot to Quez Watkins down the field. Um, it's when, as you mentioned, that Cowboys game, it's when you're using A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith as decoys and trying to get the football to Quez Watkins. Yeah, I got a problem with that. I got a problem with that. Yeah. Uh, over the middle of the field, especially. Don't think that will be happening this week. Just a prediction on the Eagles play calling. Um, but uh, you never know. That's the beauty of it. we got to wait till Sunday. Tune in, see how it turns out. Uh, but we're predicting, projecting. Did you see a prediction projection yesterday? You know, some Eagle fans may get excited about this, but then I'll, I'll bring them back down to earth. Uh, they played Super Bowl 57 on the latest version of Madden yesterday, John. Had you seen this? I have not. You had not. Um, I uh, had plugging not. in all the guys with their numbers, what they've done. Some people swear by Madden. I think there are people that gamble out there by using Madden to determine which sides they actually want to bet. I don't think they're successful, but go ahead. I don't know if they are or aren't, but I guarantee you there are some that swear by it so much that they actually put their hard-earned money behind it. Well, not only are the Philadelphia Eagles going to win Super Bowl 57, they're going to win it handily by two touchdowns as per Madden. Um, It's a savvy uh, video game. It's a savvy video game, Jody McDonald. Look, I've said if this game's going to be a blowout, I said it yesterday on the show, if there is going to be a two-touchdown winner, it's going to be the Eagles. Um, They're the team, and I've given you my riser theory, uh, where, you know, Super Bowl opening night, uh, the risers uh, for the star players, all you got to do is look at the names. After you get by Mahomes, Kelsey, Chris Jones – here were the names for the Chiefs that got the riser treatment. Frank Clark, you know, at one time was a very good pass rusher, certainly a descending player now. Orlando Brown, very good player. Uh, but, you know, it's Orlando Brown. Juju Smith-Schuster, their best receiver, kind of run of the mill. Isaiah Pacheco, rookie seventh-round running back we just talked about from Vineland. Great story, but Isaiah Pacheco. Nick Bolton. Pretty good linebacker. Legereus Sneed, their best corner. Jarek McKinnon, their third down back. That's the riser treatment for the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, if you go 5-11 to 11, uh, on the Eagles, you got a Hall of Fame right tackle, Lane Johnson. Jordan Mailata, you know, part of that is the Australia part, but, I mean, you know, he started to dominate again now that he's healthy. Hassan Reddick, who's an all-pro, second-team all-pro. Brandon Graham, over double-digit sacks. We know about his history. history. Uh, Pro Bowl alternate Fletcher Cox, uh, Pro Bowl alternate Darius Slay, uh, all-pro corner Miles Sanders, uh, uh, Pro Bowl running back. Big difference. Big difference in talent as you go down the roster. Um, I agree with your just general concept. 
I keep disrespecting Frank Clark. I still think he is someone the Eagles are going to have to keep their eye on on Sunday. He Boy, is. I've seen no offense to Frank Clark, Jody, and no offense to you, but I just saw Jordan Mailata and Lane Johnson dominate Nick Bosa. I'm not worried a hoot about Frank Clark. Now, you can talk me into Chris Jones. Chris Jones is a great player. If Frank Clark wrecks this game, man, I will be stunned against those tackles. I still think he's a legit pass rusher, so uh, I would not be uh, dismissive of him. I, I, I don't know about wrecking the game, but I think he could make a big play on Sunday. I think he's still got uh, those kind of pass rushing skills. And, yeah, it would be interesting. Is Kansas City going to do what, what San Francisco did? They did move Bosa around because, by the way, uh, Lane Johnson shut him down like he shuts everybody else down. So let's move him to the other side. And he didn't get uh, all that much done against Mylotta either. So it'll be interesting to see how Kansas City, if they do any flip-flopping. Here's one thing that I will say, and it may come at a price that the Kansas City Chiefs will have to pay. Either they'll cash the check or it'll be uh, come back bounced. Ospagnolo's going to blitz. He's going to blitz more than, than uh, Jonathan Gannon will. Jonathan Gannon will, won't blitz for two reasons. Number one, he doesn't really like to blitz all that much. And number two, he doesn't need to blitz all that much because they get there with four. And number three, if you don't have to blitz Patrick Mahomes, you don't want to blitz Patrick Mahomes because he's the best pickup blitz artist in the entire National Football League. So, yeah, there'll be very few eagle blitzes. Ospagnolo's going to blitz. He always does. He always has. He will uh, I don't think there's any question that the Chiefs are going to to pick and choose their spots, but they're going to come after Jalen Hurts with more than just four. Agree or disagree? Yeah, well, part of it is I think they have to because they don't have the pass rush the Eagles have. I mean, they have one very good defensive lineman, as I mentioned, and he might be the best defensive lineman in the NFL, at least this year he's in the conversation, and that's Chris Jones. Other than that, you know, you 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 like Frank a little bit more than I do at this stage of his career. George Karloftis is a rookie. He struggled. Uh, that's understandable. Carlos Dunlop is an average player. And then the guys inside, Derek Noddy, uh, Kalen Saul, Saunders, Michael Dana. I mean, compare that to the Eagles defensive line. Now, unfortunately, you know, they're not – playing each other as we said but the Eagles offensive line you know they're dominating superstar players and they have been in this run Dexter Lawrence Nick Bosa had this run to the Super Bowl um and then the Eagles defensive line my god that's deep I was just going over you forget Jody you forget sometimes on on the edge it's Hassan Reddick Josh Sweat Brandon Graham and then inside, Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, Linball Joseph, Indomitian um, uh, Sue, Milton Williams. Played well. Down to, down to Jordan Davis. And people are disappointed at Jordan Davis because this group is so stinking deep. You know, he's a luxury, just like Cam Jurgens was a luxury this year, just like Nicobe Dean. That is the deepest defensive line I have ever seen. I've ever seen at, at guys that can keep that starting level performance. They're not all superstars, but they can keep that starting level performance where you see other teams. And I just mentioned 
the names of, of Kansas City, you have this incredible drop-off. And, oh, oh, by the way, you ran down the list, and you never got to Robert Quinn. Shockingly. How, yeah. how, how did you I not? I should have got Robert. I should have got, you know, yeah, I hear what you're saying, and that's the one move where people say hasn't worked out for Howie. That's their fourth edge rusher. That's pretty good as a fourth edge rusher. Yeah, but wait till April when we realize the Eagles don't have a fourth-round draft pick. And they go, what'd they do with that for? Oh, they gave it for Robert. Robert well, as long as they had, it, would you trade a fourth-round pick for a Lombardi trophy? Who cares at that point if you have the Lombardi trophy? Come on, now, I'll, Eagle I'll, fan. I'll, John, John, you're not going to run that by Eagle fans. If the Eagles win a Lombardi trophy, you know what it's going to have to do with Robert Quinn? Zero. No, Zero. it's not going to have. It's not going to, it's more of if you win a Lombardi trophy because you're trying to seize the moment and it didn't work out. I'm not saying it worked out unless he makes a big play in the Super Bowl. And right. I don't foresee it because anyway. he's not going to play that much. He's only going to have eight opportunities because he doesn't have to play that much because they're so damn deep on the defensive line. Um, so I don't think it's going to work out. But I'm saying at the end of the day, I agree with the sentiment of Howie Roseman. Windows open, let's go for it. Uh, at the time, I think I needed a, another edge rusher. I didn't, uh, but who cares about a fourth-round pick is what I'm saying, if right. if they win the Lombardi Trophy. But what I said was, come April. By April, there will oh, be... Oh, they want another one. They always want many, more. That many more days between the parade and the actual draft. Come April, people are going to go, yeah, so what? Screw the fourth round pick. We won the Super Bowl. They're well, gonna go. Wait know, a minute. We traded the fourth round pick for Robert Quinn. It, it, Howie, that's where Howie. I'm just saying, uh, when we get to the draft uh, uh, next week, if there's a parade, nobody's gonna go. Yeah, but we don't have that fourth round pick. It's gonna be all a massive celebration. I'm moving the needle ahead to April. No, I I hear what you're saying, and I agree with you. But also, a lot of those critics will be the same people that say. Uh, how we can't draft and and yet they're worried about a fourth round pick so it doesn't matter it's sort of like the critics of 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 of, of the eagles and oh oh you know they didn't play anybody but they have so much talent anybody could coach the team it doesn't make sense so you can't say oh we need that fourth round pick and i'm not saying you i'm saying the fans we need that fourth round pick but how he screws up too many draft picks anyway can't have it both ways can't have, but I hear what you're saying. Understood. And how he took a couple of guys early this year that didn't even need to be used. Not necessarily that they couldn't be used, but the Eagles had guys in front of them, so they got to give them uh, red shirt years, and hopefully they pay dividends down the road. Did pick up Reed Blankenship as an undrafted free agent, which for me counts as the yeah. draft. Just because you got the word pick, un in front of does not preclude from adding a player and getting credit for it. Howie Roseman should get just that for getting Reed Blankenship, a guy who's needed to start games for the Eagles this year. Yeah. How about if, if Reed Blankenship was a second round pick, you'd be happy. Right. Uh, yeah. So it all, you know, yeah. But nobody's going to look at it that way. Uh, but you're right. Undrafted rookies count. Um, and the Eagles found a diamond in the rough to the point where you start to say, well, you know, the Eagles are going to try to get C.J. Gardner-Johnson back, uh, depending uh, on his cost. And if they do, 
the other starting safety is probably more likely to be Reed Blankenship than Marcus Epps. And if they can't get C.J. Gardner-Johnson, it's probably likely to be penciled in as Marcus Epps and, and Reed Blankenship. That's how well he's played. And, oh, by the way, again, uh, sorry, Eagle fans, I just got to give you an honest opinion. I don't think C.J. Gardner-Johnson is going to give them a quote-unquote hometown discount either. There are two guys who are coming off their rookie contracts and getting their first big payday that you can't expect them to just because the Eagles had this great year, which hopefully ends in a Super Bowl victory next week, that the guys are going to say, right, here's what I'm worth on the open market. I hit free agency. Uh, I'm offered this by Team X. I'll play for minus X for the Philadelphia Eagles because I love my town and I love my team. No, Chauncey was happy down in New Orleans. Yeah, he loved and, New Orleans. And, and the Saints sent yeah. him packing because his contract demands were, they thought, on the outrageous side. And that's why they were willing to give up with him. You think he's going to come here and go, all right, yeah, Philly, uh, such a good time, such a Super Bowl champion. Thanks for the ring. And, oh, by the way, I'll take 30% less than what I'm actually worth. Not happening. He's I'm going to give you the list of, of hometown discounts. I'm going to give you the list. Uh, Jason Kelsey, if he comes back, and Brandon Graham. That's it. End of list. End of list. Everybody else, it, you're right about guys uh, going off their rookie deals into their second contracts, especially. James Bradbury's already on record. Great guy. Look, you know, last chance to make big money. He's played a big you know, had a career year. You're not giving discounts. Nobody's giving discounts except Jason Kelsey, Brandon Grant. And uh, we'll see if either or both of those two guys could walk away. I actually believe it's going to be neither. I It's 90% on BG coming back, wants to come back. Jason is more like a 50-50 shot and maybe even 60-40 leaning toward retirement. I'm on the 40 side, though. I think Jason Kelsey's going to be back. But again, we got a lot of time to debate that after the Eagles play their last game of the season, which will be Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs. We're going to talk about the matchup and a little Hall of Fame conversation with our next guest, longtime NFL writer, reporter, and author Jason Cole is going to join us coming up next here on Birds 365. Post game show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Why do millions of people every year from around the world visit Philly's Rocky statue? You want to tell me the sky is burgundy with green stripes and yellow polka dots? I'll meet you on that. But you're never going to convince me Rocky is anything other than the pure greatness that it is. Never going to happen. Join me, Paul Farber, for WHYY's The Statue. We're going on a journey to explore the biography of the Rocky statue. Find us wherever you get your podcasts.
Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Hi, I'm Jim Mulebronner, managing partner at Delval Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Your Mega Mac guys, Jody McDonald and John McMullen here on Birds 365. We are joined by a mogul all time NFL writer, author, and Hall of Fame selector. He's gonna have to do some work at the end of this week. Uh, our buddy Jason Cole jumps aboard with us here on Birds 365. How are you, bud? I'm good. I've actually, we already did the work, so um, they changed the meeting now, so we, we do it. Uh, like a couple of weeks beforehand so that they can do the whole production for Thursday. So the announcement is on Thursday because they moved the honors show. And that. So you're going to, you're, you're going to cheat and give us all the results ahead of time here on birds 365. Huh? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> now how much at, I assume they don't let, did they let you guys in on who's in or do you get a feel for it? How, how, do you, do you, do you know right now? Could you spoil it, even if you wanted to? Yeah, I can spoil it. All right. All right. Yeah, Is that a feel thing, or you have the actual? Because you, you know the. Well, I know what the final look. I know what the final five is. Yeah, and, and unless we, unless we didn't vote one of those guys in. Yeah, I can gotcha. tell you who the you know like gotcha. the gotcha. I can tell you who the final five is, and then you, know, you can kind of say. We haven't turned anybody down in 20 years. Yeah, I was going to say, when was the last time somebody made the final five and didn't make the vote? I think it was 2000. I looked this up the other day because it was it was important to an argument I was making over um, a particular player. And I think it's 2004. The year that I think the last time was the year that Dan Marino and Steve Young were the only um new can you know like new era candidates yeah, yeah. that went in and yeah. they went in the same year Benny Friedman and Fritz Pollard went in that year as um senior candidates or old time candidates whatever you want to call that 
and then Young and Marino made it as the only two guys. And so that was a two, basically a two-man class. And then the two other guys made it. Friedman and Pollard made it as uh, special selections, whatever you want to call that, that category. So it's been 19 years since we pulled any shenanigans like that. Uh, Jason, here in Philadelphia, obviously, uh, there's bigger news than the Hall of Fame. But one Hall of Fame thing I always get a uh, kick out of you'll hear Eagles fans say, Oh, if Howie Roseman wins another Super Bowl, he's in the Hall of Fame. Explain to people just how difficult it is for an executive to get in the Hall of Fame and just how many, just how few are in the Hall of Fame. Well, no, there's, a, I think there's a couple levels. I'm not saying Howie won't ever make it, but yeah. just because he's won three Super Bowls, like Ernie, Cor- Ernie of course, he's not in. Yeah. Um, and Ernie, of course, he, like drafted Elway and Eli Manning, right? Like as number one overall picks and one, those guys went on to win two Super Bowls each, right? Like he's the only, Ernie, of course, he's the only guy to, to pick multiple quarterbacks who made, who won Super Bowls, right. right? Like that. So if Ernie, of course, he doesn't really have a great case, like how does, how we just all automatically jump him? based on, you know, winning two or three Super Bowls. I mean, it's nice, and and maybe it'll work, but I don't know that that's exactly what it's going to be. Um, look, the executive case is we bring up one or two contributor candidates, right, guys who did their work off the field. Now, we, cre- we created the, the hall. I shouldn't say we. The hall created a special category for contributors so that coaches – and um, executives like Howie had an easier path to get in. They used to have to compete with um, players and, and other modern era finalists. And when you put players up against executives, it's really, really hard. Yeah. So, but you know, there's also, there's owners and coaches in that category. And we have a pretty long list of guys who, you know, have good arguments to get in, you know, whether that's Mike Shanahan or whether that's, um, Mike Holmgren, um, you know, like there, there are a number of coaching candidates, executive candidates who, you know, deserve, you know, their day, sort of their day to be argued over. Um, this year we argued over Don Coriel, who'd been in the room like four or five other times before this. I was going to ask you, you gave us the percentages of the cut down to the final five. It's been a decade plus since uh, you guys didn't take all five. How about in the contributor category? You got you cut down to three ahead of time, um, and they're up for uh, voting when you guys did your work previously this past week. What's the usual percentage on those? Is it uh, like it's been for the regulars that you're damn close to 100%? Is it more like it's uh, damn close to how many there are? That's damn close to a hundred percent. You know, the senior candidates, the guys who, the guys who were passed over the first time. So like this year, Chuck Howley was, was one of those guys. I'm trying to remember who. Joe Klecko. Joe Klecko is in that group. There was a third guy. I'm trying to remember who it was. Coriel. um, No, no. Coriel was, Coriel's a contributor. Then there, and then there's senior guys. Oh, Kenny Riley. Yeah, and Ken Riley. So Ken Riley, Chuck Howley, Joe Klecko. And Joe Klecko. And then there's Coriel as a, as a contributor, right? So there's these, basically the three categories. The modern era guys that 
we sort of focus on the senior guys and then um, the contributors. And so if you lump the contributors and the senior guys together, it's pretty close to 100%. It's hard, it's hard to vote against those guys. Um, just from a, a sort of a human decency standard, like, if, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm not a big fan of the senior, the senior process. Um, I think I, this is where I buy into what Deion Sanders says is that we're putting too many guys in the hall of fame. But at the same time, if you're going to bring one of these guys to me, you're going to raise their hopes that they finally have a shot to make it or raise the hope of their families that they finally have this one last shot yeah. to make it. I better have a really good argument to not put them in. Right. Like yeah. they better be truly, truly mediocre. And there was a reason that they were passed, passed over. But I mean, and it, so it becomes kind of a sympathy vote. Right. Let, me, let me, let me, let me take let me, it let back. Me say, let me, let yeah. me just answer right. one last thing about the, the only contributor that I know that didn't make it in this process when we did it this way was Paul Tagliver, um, who I did vote against. Um, uh, and then subsequently he made it when they sort of changed the rules and they, they brought about this larger class that they put in um, two years ago. Um, but yeah, he's the one, he's the one guy who had problems getting in through that process. And shame on me. I should know this, but I don't. So please clarify for me. The whole, the senior group of three that you have this year, how do you get to that number? What's the voting process to get it to? Is it three? Is a given number? Do they need a percentage to just? Can it be just one? Can it be eight? Uh, how do you get to the group of the veterans that are up for consideration each year? <laughs> um, it used to alternate. The, basically, our rules were are built on a waterbed. Um, so they, they kind of fluctuate depending on, you know, who's, you know, what they want to do. And, and ultimately it's up to the hall of fame, what they want to do. Right. So what we yeah. had been doing for about three or four years, I think was we had two of these contributors and it, it would all, it would be two and one, two contributors, one senior or two seniors and one contributor this year, because there's such a group of voters who are pushing for senior candidates and the senior committee is so backlogged with with guys that they feel are qualified players and and i defer to certain respects which is why i vote for these guys but we have a subcommittee of voters who are called the senior committee they subsequently pushed for um adding another candidate so we added a third candidate this year sort of to my chagrin but you know, again, that's only my opinion. You know, other people feel differently about the process. All right, Jason, one more. I'm getting in a wormhole here, but I'm interested. You mentioned yeah, Paul you're, Tagliabue. You're gone, you've gone yeah, straight down. I'm, I'm going in the wormhole. we got a game to talk about. I promise to get to that. But uh, you mentioned Tagliabue because it was, you know, difficult for him to get in. You, you voted against him, you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Roger Goodell moving forward. What kind of lightning rod is that? I go, wait, what, what, what kind of lightning rod is he going to be? You're sh- sh- nothing because there's so many controversies. It's not his fault, but he gets blamed for it. He's the lightning rod for the owners. You don't think there's going to be any pushback when it's his turn? Not a lot for me. No. Um, look, you know, he's done a lot of things that, you know, people would second guess. I'd say he also 
lives in an era where there's more attention paid to the NFL than ever before. Yes. So the off yes. the off field issues, like um, Burt Bell, the famous Philadelphian, um, mm-hmm. you know, you know, he didn't have to deal with the media paying attention to off field problems. No. Right. It just didn't exist. Like they didn't care um, back then. And the audience was smaller and the audience was also a more rough and tumble audience who, you know, didn't care. They didn't care about stuff like that that happened away from the field. Right. So, you know, Burt Bell's in. Right. Same thing with Pete Rozelle. Pete Rozelle didn't have to deal. I mean, if you had to judge Pete Rozelle's candidacy, uh, for the Hall of Fame based on the, the violent nature of the NFL in the 1960s and 1970s, he never gets in, right? Like some of the stuff that used to happen. So, you know, Roger is sort of a victim of the attention that the NFL has created. Some of it created by him, some of it created by people like Jerry Jones and, you know, the growth of the game and all those kinds of things. I'll just say this, from an economic standpoint, Roger Goodell is, has headed up the greatest era of economic growth in the history of the league, right? Um, the popularity of the game, he's headed it up during them. My problem with Tagliabue had to do with, you know, cover, cover up of concussion information that led yeah. to a wormhole where they got sued. He's not responsible for that, even though he had to testify. That stuff was done during Tagliabue's era. Um and you know the the false studies that they did, and the you know the the croc medicine, you know, and the croc doctors that they had. The podiatrist running the concussion program. Uh, was he was, a, he was a rheumatologist. He was a rheumatologist. Rheumatologist. All right. Yeah, yeah but, but yeah, but you're that, but but you know, like that kind of stuff. That was under Tagliabue's watch, and yeah. it was it was a cover up along the lines of you know the cigarette industry, right? The tobacco industry. Um, Rod, that's not, Roger's not responsible for that. He had to deal with it, but he's not responsible for it. And I'm not saying he's like, I'm not saying that Roger is the nicest guy in the world. That's not his job. Okay. Um, but I would say this, the, the growth of the NFL, the success of the NFL during his time, um, he deserves his, his share of credit for that. And I would vote for him in, into the Hall of Fame, despite, you know, a lot of you know bruises. My problem with Tagliabue is part of your part of your job is to care for the men who play, and he did not do that properly, in my view. Jason Cole here with us on Birds three sixty five. All right, let's uh, turn our attentions to that game they're going to play on Please. Sunday. <laughs> um, John and I have been talking about this basically since the season when the Eagles were two and zero and four and zero and six and zero. Too many people go, yeah, but they haven't played anybody. Will at least after this game, the Eagles get some credit for having played somebody, or will there be some other explanation if they went well? Yeah, but Mahomes had a bum ankle. Um, you're no, it's, a, it's, it's the easiest path ever to winning a Super Bowl. No, no team is you know, but this is like playing on an elementary school playground. This is scary. that was so simple, you know, like any team could have won a title with Philadelphia's <laughs> schedule. Yeah, it nothing they accomplished absolutely nothing this entire <laughs> season. I hope I hope your fans don't take me seriously. So, no, they, um, they... you know, look, look, it's 
winning NFL football games is not an easy thing to do, right? Like, it doesn't matter what the schedule looks like or doesn't look like. And to largely dominate over that stretch with the most consistent level of play in the entire league. And if you don't – when if, if look, we can look at all the stats and the records and, you know, measures of, of how a season goes and who you play and all those kinds of things. But if you don't just watch the Eagles and sit there and go, that's a really – complete football team and a superbly talented one that has very few holes. All right. If you don't come to that conclusion after watching them play a couple of games, you don't know what you're looking at. (laughs) Okay. It's that simple, right? They're really, really good. Are they one of the greatest five teams or 10 teams in the history? The super, I have no idea. I'll say this. Their per play dominance over the course of the season, you know, like how many yards they average every play that they run versus how many they give up by their defense is dominating stuff. All right. And it's, you know, they haven't sat here and won a bunch of games, nail biter games. They've dominated most games, right? Which is a mark of a really, really great football team. Okay. Um, now do at having said that, do I look at Jalen Hurts and go, Oh, this is a transcendent talent who's going to dominate the NFL for the next, you know, 10 years? No. I think he's having a really good run, and we'll see how it plays out. Um, and, I, you know, with a guy like that, you always ask the question, what happens when he can't run anymore? Is he a pure pocket passer? And I have my doubts about that. But for right now, Jalen Hurts is playing at a level that deserves MVP consideration. Um, you know, that defensive line is extraordinary. Will it last? No, probably not, because they got what Graham and Cox are, you know, a billion years old, and, and Dominican Sue's been around forever. Like, yeah. there's gonna there's gonna be change. But for right now, they're taking advantage of the opportunity they have. They're playing incredible football. They've been very healthy, um, with the exception of Hertz, you know, lately. Um and that makes me wonder how the game is going to play out. But, like, they've had an extraordinary season. And I give them all the credit in the world, and I give Sirianni a lot of credit for, for making it work. I mean, again, like, you look at that offense, it's not the most complicated offense in the world, but it's perfect for what they have. Yeah. And you mentioned that word transcended, uh, Jason. There is a transcendent talent on the other side. Um, you're an historian. Uh, we're five years as a starter with Patrick Mahomes, five championship games, three Super Bowls. He loses Tyreek Hill, oh, who, by the way, had a pretty good year in Miami for those paying attention. 5,200 passing yards. Juju Smith-Schuster's his best receiver. 40-plus touchdowns. What are we watching with Patrick Mahomes? Well, somebody asked me already the other day has he already qualified for the hall of fame you know through what is he six years in the league yeah yes and i would say yes you know like (laughs) when you when you compare his career to like kurt warner's career now kurt warner is an extraordinary story you know guy coming out of nowhere was bagging groceries etc came off the bench and became this dominant player 
but the bulk of his career statistically really comes down to about five years. Yeah. Right. When I didn't think he was all a famer. I say it all the time, but like a shooting star, but I'm a longevity guy. I got to have more longevity. And I understand that. And I, you know, look, I, I, and I understand those arguments and I've been in favor of Dwight Stevenson and Terrell Davis and Tony Baselli. So I believe that certain shooting stars deserve to get in. Right. And Kurt Warner was one of those guys. But let's just say the meat of their careers matches up already. So as long as his career doesn't just completely die off, you know, like just fall apart, um, I think, you know, he's already kind of qualified for the Hall of Fame. Three Super Bowl appearances, one championship already, two MVP awards, um, you know, assuming that he's going to win it on Thursday, right? Um you know, just watching him as a player. Yes, we're looking at a guy who's likely going to make the Hall of Fame. We don't know how the next five to ten years are going to play out, but right now, you know, I would say, yeah, that's what that's what we're looking at. He's an extraordinary talent. He's he's the most physically gifted quarterback I have seen in this league in terms of the combination of running around and arm strength. He, well, let me put it. He's on a level with guys like Aaron Rodgers and John Elway with his ability to throw it from different angles, from different places on the field, from different movement, to make throws that other human beings simply cannot make and allowing you to redraw the X's and O's of any offense um, to give you an amazing amount of freedom. Like, that's what John Elway could do. Like, you could run 40-yard cross field passes, you know, on you know, 30 yard down and outs where, where you would bootleg Elway to the left-hand side and throw it back to Steve Watson on the right-hand side, right? Like you could do that with John Elway where most offensive coordinators can't draw that play up because most human beings can't do it. You have Elway, you have Aaron Rodgers, you have Mahomes, probably a couple other guys who can do stuff like that. That's that's pretty good triumvirate right there. I, I need your insight on this because John and I talk about this plenty on the show. Understood going into the game, Andy Reid has an advantage over Nick Sirianni via experience. Been there, done that, four Super Bowls compared to none. Um, but he's only won one of those Super Bowls. But he, he has gotten that many teams to that level, and this is Nick's first shot. But John and I are both fans of CEO coaches, guys who are just the head coach of the football team, have a good enough staff that they can have an offensive coordinator call plays. They can have a defensive coordinator call plays. They're just in charge of the team. Andy, God bless him, he's going to the Hall of Fame, but he's never given up play calling. He'll hand it off for a week here or a week there to boost one of his assistants so he can become a head coach. But when push comes to shove, Andy's taking that sheet back in front of his face. Is there a coaching staff advantage in this game, Eagles or Chiefs? Well, based, I mean, experience is a big thing, right? Like, so I, I would give Andy that huge advantage on having been there, done that, um, not being affected by perhaps the, the momentum swings and the temptations that go with a game because he's been through it. Um, at the same time, younger coaches tend to win this game. Um, I, I just think, look, 
if you're asking me who's a better coach, it's Andy Reid. No, I'm I'm asking you who's got the better staff. Better staff. I'm still gonna go with the Chief. I mean, like Steve Spagnola has drawn up some game plans that beat Tom Brady, right? And and shut down Tom Brady in an undefeated season. You know, like shut down the Patriots in that Super Bowl. Now, he had great players on the defensive line, like Justin Tuck and Michael Strahan, um, you know, with with that Giants team that shut down the Patriots <laughs> and upset them. Um, so I give an advantage to those two guys in this situation over what the Eagles are going to present if you're talking about coaching staff versus coaching staff. Because, yep. look, Spagnola has his hands full in this game. Um, you have to be very disciplined in your approach on how you go after Jalen Hurts to force him to be a passer and to keep him from running. If you saw what the 49ers did in that first 20, 25 minutes, they had Jalen Hurts corralled. Um, now the game got out of hand, it fell apart, but it fell apart, you know, because, you know, the, the Devontae Smith play, you know, they're really smart and, you know, it doesn't get overturned um, on a replay because Devontae Smith gets him up to the line right away, right? Like, that's good smart coaching, right? They, they've got a signal ready. They've got they've got ready to go. Like, let's get hustle the line before they can see that this was not a catch. You know, Josh Johnson, that play where he drops the ball on the snap, that helps create the momentum for – you know, that for the Eagles offense, the drive that had the three penalties by the 49ers. But if you watched how the game was playing out, that was much closer to being a 0-0 first half than it was to being a, more, a bigger lead for Philadelphia, right? Like, I thought, I thought that the 49ers defense just did a spectacular job. The game just eventually falls apart because the, the 49ers can't do anything on offense to make it even remotely competitive. It becomes another dominant victory for the Eagles. And they might have won anyways. Like, I'm not trying to say that they won only because of these things that happened. But the first half was a lot closer um, in reality as I watched it play out because of the 49ers defense now. Having said all of that, Kansas City does not have the 49ers' talent. And if Philadelphia can run the ball, they can probably do what Tampa Bay did to the Chiefs two years ago in the Super Bowl, where they really controlled the entire tempo of the game. My problem with the Philadelphia run, running attack is, I think a lot of it is based off of what should allow Jalen Hurts to get away with early in the game. Do you allow him to get outside? Do you allow him to break some runs that set up, you know, Gainwell and all the other guys, you know, Sanders for the, for their bigger runs. So like there's a little, there's a little math and, and X's and O's to this, which gets me back to Spagnolo. Can he draw up a game plan that is disciplined and effective where the front four of the chiefs can keep, hurts and force hurts to be a thrower primarily and keep him from using his legs primarily. And if they can do that, they can keep this game somewhat close in my view. If they can't, then Philly can run away with this game. 
Yeah, Jason, you mentioned it a couple times, and you're right. The Eagles offense is is pretty simple. It's an RPO-based offense, and you mentioned that word, you know, math, arithmetic, whatever you want to say. It's about plus one in the running game. Does that make it easier on Steve Spagnuolo or more difficult? Because it's not about necessarily X's and O's. It's about that math. So if you can't, plus one means plus one. If you mm-hmm. can't account for plus one, and remember, you have the best offensive line in the NFL blocking for them, can you scheme up that advantage? Look, football, despite all the things that coaches will tell you about how complicated it is, is sometimes a fairly simple game. And if you have a one-man advantage like you're talking about, if you can force – the defense to have to account for the quarterback as a runner on a regular basis, right? Then yes, you have a very unique advantage. And that's one of the advantages that Philadelphia has. Now he's a good enough thrower as a complement off of that running. Whereas like Lamar Jackson is not a good enough thrower on a consistent basis. Like Jalen Hurts is a better player than Lamar Jackson in my view. Um, he may not be faster. He may not be a better overall runner. You know, we can have all those kinds of, um, you know, debates. But as a complete football player, Jalen Hurts is a better player than Lamar Jackson because he will hurt you more consistently in the passing game. Um, and so you take that combination. Yes, it, it's much more of a problem for the defense because, you know, if you try to attack him with an extra with a blitzer, he's going to hurt you with his arm. Okay, and they have really good receivers that are going to hurt you with the arm between you know Goddard and the two outside guys and Smith and Brown, right? Like the one of those guys is going to get to you if you keep bringing extra guys to try and stop Hurts. Um, if you only come with four guys, you better be extremely disciplined in your pass rush lanes. And you watch the again, you watch the Forty ers they didn't just take off up the field. Yeah. Um, they were doing a, you know, classic kind of two gap stuff where they stayed in their lanes. They didn't do a lot of twists and a lot of stunts. They just came straight up the field and played disciplined lanes and said, look, Jalen, we're going to keep you in this pocket area and force you to be a thrower. And, and if you can do that, you know, you can keep the game relatively close, but even at that, they got the 31 points, right? Like, at the end of the day, they still put a 30 spot on a, on a really good defensive team. Now, there are some things that went into it, but they did it. And they still ran the ball pretty effectively, um, you know, at critical moments of the game. Um, Hertz wasn't part of that. But, you know, so, yes, the task for Spagnolo is really, really tough. But if he can draw it up, and he has drawn it up before in games like this, then you're talking about, you know, a game where Kansas City, I think, can win. And that's 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 the scenario under which Kansas City win because you can keep it to a game that's played in the say mid twenties, and the Chiefs can score, you know, twenty seven points in this game. Can they get the thirty five? I've got my doubts about that. But they can score 27. They might be able to get the 30 points in this game. Like Dallas did against Philadelphia's defense. They get, they put up some points. The Chiefs can put up some points. They know what they're doing out there. I 
Jason, last thing, and I need you to help myself and John and all of our Birds 365 audience out a little bit with a little guidance. Although we do call ourselves Birds 365, John and I try and be objective and balanced and fair. Uh, having known you as long as I've known you, I know you're objective, balanced, and fair. Are we going to, at the end of the game, be able to say, and the referee had nothing to do with it? We know we've got the fringe outside guy who are no matter what going to go, oh, it's a fix. Are the refs going to do a good job in this game, Jace? How the hell am I supposed to know that? Come on, <laughs> you know everything. That's why we have Yon. I'm they're with you, s- Jason. I can't, I can't stand it. Yeah, I can't. They're human that. beings. They make mistakes. You know what? I'll say this. Right. I'll throw this at you. And, and, wait, let not... me just say this. Let me, let, yeah. me, let me just back it up. When I say they're going to suck, I'm, I mean, they suck because it's, it's so incredibly hard to do. Yeah. It's it, They are human beings. And this game moves so fast. And, I, you know, to me, it's just a it's a joke. Like if you took an everyday Joe guy, who's like, you know, the guy who sits in front and goes, ah, they put that call. There's idiots. Yeah. This and that. And goes, yeah. Okay. We're going to give you a whistle. I'm going to put a stretcher on you. Go down the field and see how you do, pal. Like they wouldn't last, they wouldn't last 30 seconds in a game. They get, yeah. they get ripped apart by the players who, who are chewing on them. Right. Like it's a hard, hard job. And making calls is like half the battle controlling the game is just as important as making calls. So having said that, they always suck because everybody thinks that they suck. And that's just how it's going to go. There's going to be some missed call that people are going to go crazy about. With that, I'm sorry, John, go ahead. And and, and yeah, they over-legislate the game. They make it tougher on these guys. It's, 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 but the one part where I think they could improve and I want to get your quick thoughts on this is all-star officiating crews. Just keep the crews together. If it's Carl Chepper's crew, you let Carl have his crew. I don't like the movement around to the so-called all-stars. And then they have no chemistry, the, the group together. Um, there's something to be said for that. Um, I don't know the analy- I don't know if there are some anal- analytics to it. Um, I, I do buy some of it like, Look, some refs are just better than others, right? Like, you know, like, and I don't know what, how you judge that. I, you know, consistency of calls, how how they, how they officiate games. I mean, uh, you know, I, you know, I know they keep records on these guys, and I don't know if the chemistry thing is a real thing or not a real thing when it comes to to games like this. It's not like in the NBA where you're refing three games a week, you know, or four games a week, right? I don't where you know you you have to you have to constantly be communicating about the game. You know, you ref once a week. So I don't know how to do those analytics. I think there's a, it's a reasonable argument and it's a reasonable argument to be investigated whether what you're saying is right or not. Um, but I also hear the one like you want your best refs in the best games to eliminate as many potential problems as you possibly can. I, I I hear both sides of that argument. I'm not sure which one's right. And I, as much as you're going to guffaw at this answer, I trust the league to come up with the best answer that they possibly can at this moment. Like they're, they're looking at it the best way they can. Now I know everybody's going to guffaw at that answer, 
Okay, and say, oh, the league screws it up, too. Because that's what we say. The league always screws it up. But that's just our default answer on everything. All right. Uh, you kind of told us earlier that the Eagles have as talented team as they do, and it could be close, or it could be the Eagles open up a big lead. You want to give us a score, or you want to hold off on that, and everybody can find out, I'm sure, on Twitter, at JasonCole62. <laughs> He'll be putting up a score later in the week. But if you want to give us a score now, we'd be very willing to take it. Uh, I mean, look, I think Philly is, a, Philly is the most consistent team in the NFL this year, right? So it's hard to go against a team that's played that consistently. So I would say, look, you're looking at a 31-21 uh, victory. Um, that's what I would I would say is, you know, for the Eagles. I think they're – if you're going to pick one team that can blow the other team out, um, Philadelphia has a much better chance at that. And again, I go back to that Tampa Super Bowl, the 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 Tampa Bay, the you know Brady, the one that Brady won for the Buccaneers, you know Tampa yeah. versus the Chiefs two years ago. And the thing that surprised me most in that game was Tampa's ability to impose their will in the first half of that game. And Philadelphia has the ability to impose their will. What what limits me from saying absolutely that that will happen and what tells me that Kansas City has a much better chance this time around is Kansas City's offense is healthy. They don't have, you know, they're not damaged yeah, at all. They lost their tackle. tackles in that game. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. they couldn't function on offense in that yeah. game, right? They just simply yeah. couldn't play um, in that game. They'll play. They're going to show up and play, um, and they're going to be. And, and they have, you know, a quarterback. While he's a little bit damaged, is he? Look, he's the best quarterback. On, you have the best quarterback on the field in a game like this. You got a serious chance, right? Um, so, if you tell me at the end of the day that Kansas City wins this game, I'm not surprised at all. Is it a closer game? Yeah. Is it something like 27 to 23? Yeah, that that would be the game. That would be the score I would pick if under a scenario in which the Chiefs win, right? Like something happens, you know, a mistake is made. Hurts can't really throw the ball that effectively. Like Hurts doesn't look like he's throwing the ball that well right now to me. Um, now, and, he hasn't you know, statistically in the playoffs, but I don't know if that's because they're blowing people out and they're just trying to get to the finish line in the second half or. Well, I mean, he just, look, he just looks play. like there's not the same. I mean, just, you know, to the to the trained eye and not to anything that statistical analysis, like I don't have a jugs gun or, you know, doing side by side comparison kind of stuff. It looks like his his arm is damaged a little bit right now, you know, which is, you know, perfectly, you know, acceptable because he's te- he's telling us his shoulder is is not 100 percent. Right. It looks yeah. like it's affecting his throwing. Now he still made the throw to Devontae Smith, which is not throw. a catch, yeah. is a great throw. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it, it's a really, really great throw. He put it in one place where he can complete it. Now it wasn't completed, but it was still a great throw, right? Yeah. Um. So you know, there's still some, there's still that there. I mean, he he can function at quarterback. It just doesn't look like he's functioning the way he did in the first half of the season or first three quarters of the season as it were. So you kind of put all of that together and go, okay, I can see a scenario where Kansas city wins this game. I don't see a scenario where Kansas city blows them out. I can see a scenario where the Eagles can blow them 
can blow out the Chiefs because I don't think the Chiefs' defense is particularly great. It's good enough with Chris Jones to make enough plays, but it's not what the – I mean, like, the 49ers' defense is the real deal, you know, in, in modern football. Smart minds think alike. John has said that a couple times leading up to the game. If there's going to be a blowout, it'll be the Eagles on the blowout winning end. So maybe I should pay attention to two smart football guys <laughs> like McMullen and Cole. Jason, always a pleasure. Appreciate you jumping in with us uh, today. Enjoy your week build up to the Super Bowl and then enjoy the game too. We'll be talking to you during the offseason. All right. Be good, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Jason. Follow him on Twitter at JasonCole62. All right, running late. We're coming back. We're going to put a bow on the show and get out of Dodge. Mac and Mac on Birds 365. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Philadelphia fans. We're cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Why do millions of people every year from around the world visit Philly's Rocky statue? You want to tell me the sky is burgundy with green stripes and yellow polka dots? I'll meet you on that. But you're never going to convince me Rocky is anything other than the pure greatness that it is. Never going to happen. Join me, Paul Farber, for WHYY's The Statue. We're going on a journey to explore the biography of the Rocky statue. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. With Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Staying late here with us on Bright Street 65 with the Mac and Mac guys. 
All right, we need to thank Scott Grayson, who gave us, remind me, John, here, uh, Patrick Mahomes, INT. Yeah. Under over is a yes. half. He believes that is going to happen. Now, if it does, as per our buddy, Ruben Frank, Eagles have been in the Super Bowl three times and never had an interception. They're the only team who's played at least two and not had an INT. So it would be record setting and it would be cashing if you're going to bank on Mahomes getting an INT. Uh, and we need to thank Jason Cole for coming on. He said 31 21. If the Eagles win, he gave you a Kansas score too, which would be closer, but sounded to me like he believed more in the 31 21, which would be Eagles and over because the under over is 50 and a half, and that would be 52. Uh, so good job out of both of our guys, not only breaking down the game, but giving us a little edge in the potential uh, wagering for the upcoming game. Um, tomorrow, we're going to have. Uh, Farzin Vasugian from ArrowheadAddict.com. It's fan-sided Kansas City uh, site. Uh, he's done a good job with me on CBS Sports Radio. And also Mike Tanier, our buddy from Football Outsiders, uh, is uh, always good when he joins us. What do you got planned for today, Johnny Mac? Uh, Super Bowl stuff. Got to do it from afar until I get there. But uh, yeah, There's Zoom and stuff today? There's a big no Zoom, no virtual. So up kind of uh, up against it from that perspective. But the NFL sends out uh, video files and all, to media. So, uh, but nothing live uh, until I get into Phoenix, which will be later in the week. But uh, I get to spend time with you. So it's now are you you out on birds on Friday, right? Yeah, I'll be on a, a big old jet airplane with Steve Miller. Uh, at that point sounds good but johnny mac and i will be here together tomorrow and on thursday we'll see what happens on friday as we get that much closer to the super bowl i'm here tomorrow 8 a.m you're in mcmullen uh i am here day to day but i'm here so you get mac and mac back in two and two You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.